What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today I'm going to be doing the Patreon quarterly uh, choice special. That's right, every quarter I go to my Patreon, so I give them a poll, and they get to choose what this episode is going to be. And it's going to be a bit of a duty. Last time we actually did something uh, similar. We did a, uh, a commentary, and it came back. It was uh, it was appreciated. People liked it. They enjoyed it. Last time I did um, the the pilot episode of uh, the X Files. Uh, great series, uh, but we're going to go back even further today. We are going to be doing a, uh, a uh, commentary on a show that is very close to my heart, or at least was when I was very young. I haven't been back and watched it in a couple of years, so I'm looking forward to doing this. It's a very American show. It's it's, it's something that defines the early 80s for me, or at least the mid-80s. Uh, we're going to be talking about the A-Team. Now, I have to say, Nick, uh, who chose this episode for my patrons, um, I am sorry. I, I owe you another... Um, a team episode. Originally, we were going to do uh, episode, uh, series four, episode seven, Body Slam, <clears throat> and that episode is loaded with great stuff, including Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, um, and a lot of other stuff. But for some unknown reason, unfathomable reason, I can't get seasons four and five uh, on streaming or anywhere really in the UK. Tried it in a couple of places. There were some really dodgy copies. It was quite difficult to get. So, I will figure that out. And I will do it as a Patreon special. I'll do it as just for the patrons uh, at some point when I get around to it. Um, but for now, we're having to go back and thought, well, let's do something different. Do you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go and do um, a check on the top ten. What are the top ten, what are the top ten episodes of uh, the A-Team? What are they? Who loves it? Who loves your baby? Uh, and uh, what are they? So th- I went back. And that, weirdly, the, the later seasons definitely seem to be appreciated more. Now, I don't know if it's because they sort of just figured out the uh, the formula or the characters fell into sort of thing. or It just reached its zenith around that time. But the episode we're going to do is... Uh, see if it comes up on here. Here we go. We're doing The A-Team, Season 3, Episode 22... We are going to be doing Bounty. And in this episode, Howling Mad Murdoch is taken uh, hostage by a group of bounty hunters to lure in the rest of the A-Team, and they have to go and rescue him. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started with our commentary of the A-Team. Right, so here we go. We've got the iconic entrance that entrance that everybody loves. This is amazing, this stuff is. Maximum security staircase. This is the thing. The thing is, right? The soldiers of fortune. If you know what... If you, ooh, I can't even hear the words. The A-Team. <laughs> awesome stuff. Um, one of the things we should highlight about this, obviously the A-Team came out in 83? 82, 83? Um... And it starts this, this, it lives on this wave of things I didn't really know about much till later in life. But this sort of late 70s, early 80s um, wave of like action TV. Um, it's low, it's not, you know, it's not even low budget because it's not, it's TV budget. But you had this sort of like thing of sort of, I think maybe starting in the 60s really, but American TV is way more action oriented than. Um, than British TV, we were very much comedy focused and drama focused, you know, your period dramas and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the American system, the American TV was really had action things, loads of cop shows. Um, but there was more of this sort of like, I don't say vigilante, but this kind of sort of um, action orientated thing became more and more of things, especially in the 80s. So you had like A Team, uh, Knight Rider, um, Airwolf. 
there was one on a motorbike, which was probably called Night something as well. Um, anyone who can remember that, let me know. But that's the thing that these things happened, you know, massively in that sort of period. And the A team is probably the biggest one of the things. So, one of the weird things we're going to start talking about this episode starts with um, going into this hospital. And one of the things I constantly forget is, although they were constantly on the run, only Hannibal, um, BA, and Face were ever really on the run. Murdoch constantly goes back into like into not prison, sorry, but hospitals. Repeatedly goes back into psychiatric hospitals, and this is the case. This it opens with these two cowboys, these cowboy bounty hunters coming in to take him, but he, he's locked up in a psychiatric hospital, and that's you know a, <clears throat> he was always mad, um, but it was. It was never really diagnosed as to what was wrong with him. I don't know if it ever was. Again, let me know if that's the thing. But I don't think he was ever diagnosed. It was that generic TV movie madness. Oh, he's mad. The war broke him. Oh, that's And that's also what I assumed as well um, was one of those things. Because it was never really explained. It's like, it, I'm assuming it's some sort of PTSD. And that um, his madness is driven from... The stuff he saw and had to do during the Vietnam War. Mm. It was all very sort of like... It's actually when you think about it, you can go quite dark on what was wrong with, with Howling Mad Murdoch. Um, and now we've got Face up. We've now got uh, uh, Face. Uh, Dirk Benedict. Uh, what, what's his name? Peck. Um, yeah, but... The, great, great character. The con man. Always the sort of on the con. Um, and the ladies man. Um... I'd be interested, actually, as a modern thing, because I think he's a good-looking bloke. He was always the, sort of the attractive one or the suave one of the group. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Dirk Benedict, is, is he still... Do you look back and think, oh, he was a bit of a dish? Um, mm. This is the next thing. So now we've got, obviously, that Peck, um, Walter Peck... Uh, Walter, Walter Peck? No, that's a different show. Um, uh, they've got the Decker, the military guy that was after them in repeated episodes. The... Like least effective member of the um, military police because he was all—he's like um, in Marvel. What's his name? J- uh, the guy who looks and follows the Hulk. Oh my God! How can I forget that? Um, but that thing of like always constantly chasing them down but never really getting them. Same thing, and they escape in the silliest ways. Like in this, for this case, in a a, a laundry um, basket. But he he. He's off conning to get uh, to get their money. How are they on the run? This is what I'm going to start with. This is being bizarre. Murdoch is in a psychiatric hospital, so could be sedated, could always be a thingy. Face wanders around committing cons left, right, centre, and now we're back on this like film set. And Hannibal works as an actor in suits a lot, but he does things. And actually, the director refers to him as Smith, as in Hannibal Smith. Here he goes. Here we are, Smith. Time for you to go. Calls him out. He comes <laughs> to walk off. He must have a SAG card, a union membership to work on these sets. How do people not know where he is? Like, <clears throat> like... It was funny, but bizarre. Even from the first series they had this. The first season had this thing of him working as an actor. <clears throat> as, a, as a monster act thing. But they did it as like he's in um, makeup or in a suit and that's where he could get away with it. But that just doesn't work, because um, he's got to be seen to be there. Anyway, so <clears throat> how they get away with it, I'm never. Because you also find out that like BA is working with a whole bunch of like kids um, programs and you know like uh, pro- programs in the projects and all this other stuff. How they're not found? This military police just useless. But let's be clear, it's a fantasy. Um, one of the things this does do, though, it actually is excellent action. We're going to get some, I'm hoping, I think there's some good action in this. Class is a, is a top episode, so I'm hoping so. Um, but I love the fact that, like, why the military haven't thought to do this? Not particularly threatened to kill um, Murdoch. Doesn't have to kill him. But they could say, right, yeah, actually, you know, we find that in, in place of these guys, we're going to sentence him. He has to be real. They could fake it. I don't know. It always seems very bizarre. <laughs> Dwight Schultz as Murdoch as well is great. I mean, actually, he's a great actor. I've loved him in a lot of other things he appears later on. 
T he's busy in like Star Trek TNG and a load of other stuff. But <clears throat> this is one of the things that as a British kid in the eighties watching these TV shows, especially sort of this and um, Knight Rider in particular. Gave, and, and Dukes of Hazard as well. Probably not a great combo when you're sort of a kid watching stuff. I had a very specific uh, idea of what America was. America was either a city or an outback, <laughs> like shack in the woods. Not this. This is like a house in the middle of the woods. That's all I ever thought it was. A city or right rural. That's it. And and. and it really gives you this idea of like hillbillies or gangsters and that sort of like things. And also, I love the fact that they, no one has any problems tooling around with guns. You, yes, you have the military police appear in the show, but you never ever really get the actual like proper police. Like at no point after everything happens, the police turn up. They do mention them, but they never actually sort of turn up. So, very bizarre. Um, I do think you have to remember as well. This show was made week on week and they had to bang out well this is like I said this was like what this is episode 22 of like a 26 to 28 episode season so they were really like having to make sure they could bang these things out um and keep like budget down and keep this you know, keep things rolling so <laughs> fair play that they actually able to do that continually for five seasons um There you go, we've got the van. So this is one of the things I'll say. This is one of the big things. Obviously, I've got it around here somewhere. I'm kicking around in this in my little office. Is a a, um, a little dinky version of the uh, the BA Baracus, the 18 van, the GMC van. Um, cool. Another thing, like, how is that not just one of the most identifiable vans in the world? I mean, it's clear they're only ever sort of tooling around, sort of like. California and some adjacent states. It never gets found. <laughs> it's a kid's show. I know it's a kid. This was for kids. It was sort of, you know, this is it, but still, it's very silly. If you were to find that, if you were to do this today, I know, to be fair, I do really enjoy the act, the A Team movie, because um, it's awesome, but some of it doesn't doesn't make a whole lick of sense. I am going to call it this scene next. So the, this is very diehard. So you're getting told to go to another. One phone, from one phone to another to get further instructions, much like in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, and George Papard uh, as Hannibal Smith gets there just in time. Um, but when I first watched it, because I watched it so early on, but when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this seems really sort of like an amateurish and tall, um, as if you know they've been dashed around. Why is it the A team are being led, led around by the nose? Um, you know, they don't notice things. At first, this this is actually quite good, clever things from a little TV show. It starts off, and you makes you really think, oh, they actually haven't got the grip on things. It looks like Rip Torn, actually. Uh, they haven't got a grip on things that they are, you know, they aren't going to sort of have the upper hand. But you forget these are the A team. You know, they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about, and it will show you in a minute what I mean. But. <laughs> It, straight away, I fell for it. I was lulled in. I was like, oh my god, they're getting taken advantage of by a bunch of hillbillies. You know, they've got a guy here to go. There's got a guy in the bar sat watching them to report back. And you think, oh man, this is ridiculous. Uh, a team shouldn't fall for this nonsense. But, there you go. Let's see what happens as it happens. Hey, they just left, hillbilly. There we go. BA uh, up a, tr up a uh, phone pole. See, they knew their stuff. They were listening in. They'd hot hacked the phone, listening, getting directions, getting their bits and pieces sorted. Um, something we should never notice, notice about BA that's in this episode is uh, in this episode again, series sort of sorry, say series three because I still can watch it. Um, he uh, he's wearing a like a jumpsuit um, and in his biz, but he. Um, his jewellery is more it was, sorry, it's less conspicuous it's all a little bit more hidden now I wondered about this, I haven't checked because usually he's got like all you know, the, the earrings and the bangles and the rings and the necklaces and all that sort of stuff it seems a lot more subdued in this episode and I wonder if this was around and something else was do, going on at the time doing at the time so the cause, I don't know it could just be a look, I'm not sure um, 
But BA is an interesting one because BA, when this show started, he's the hard man. He's like the real muscle. I mean, like you know, uh, Mr. T became renowned for his physical size. I mean, he did um, Rocky Three as Clubber Lang, and the dude is ripped. Like he's huge, you know. Uh, and the fight with that is is immense. Like he's absolutely fantastic as Clubber Lang. Awesome character. But as he became more and more popular. And he appeared on things, and he had that very specific look, you know, the sports socks pulled all the way up with his sort of uh, high converse, and um, yeah, probably like a dungarees, but the, the, the dude is, is, is hugely ripped. Um, but he became like this like teddy bear kind of thing. You know, it was sort of like he was the sort of the mean looking teddy bear, but um, he, he, he sort of became the character, and I always wonder if he was, like, you know, was he more... I don't know, because he was always played to be like the tough guy, the mean guy to begin with. And that even in this show, he was known to be sort of like gruff, and he was sort of like, you know, mm, that pit the fool, and all that kind of stuff. And then by season three, like he seems to be slightly downplayed in this episode, but like he he was the breakout star. And I think that sort of was interesting. I wondered, I always wonder how it was on set. Maybe this. I know that George Peppard was always a bit funny about doing this kind of thing, but I do often wonder if. Uh, it was, um, you know, some sort of, of rivalry because he's the one that went off and did like ridiculous things. Like when he was at WrestleMania, like Mr. T wrestled with Hulk Hogan, um, you know, which is which is would have been the talking point of the last show. Um, but he also like got he did he did like several rap albums. He did he had a cartoon, Mr. T and Friends, uh, and all that stuff. He was the breakout star, massive like pop culture icon of the of the mid eighties. Um, did that whole song about mother? There is no other. I apologise. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting to see him played in this and wearing what he's wearing, considering the whole thing was about wearing the, the chains and the gold was about representation of his position as a uh, an African American and, and that part of slavery. So I, I do wonder why that was. Anyway, back to this. We've got the uh, the hillbillies and their guns. This is how I imagine a portion of America to be. So I do wonder if this is uh, um, how it always is. But they are incredibly well sort of kit- the kids. I mean, there's a lot of guns in it. This was a kids show. I don't even think you'd get away with this today, you know. There's an awful lot of guns in this and a lot of shooting. And there's going to be some explosions and stuff later on. Um, but then, you know, thinking about it on the sort of like the superhero shows, Arrow in particular, you know, the first season of Arrow had a lot of like, you know, people shot with arrows. Um... And you still get things like so. Even though, to be fair, like, even I was gonna say like supernatural, but that's more horror action thing. Uh, that's actually like a twelve and a fifteen. So um, th- this is a PG. I think this still linked as a PG in this country, at least in the states. So, but this is like you know television TV fourteen or whatever they call it in the states. But I, I, I'm, yeah, I was a lot younger than that when I watched this, and I suppose it just it didn't re. Really, because I suppose it's because although there's a lot of shooting and a lot of you know, there's a shotgun being fired now, Murdoch's being shot at repeatedly by like rifles and shotguns, an M16 machine gun, like people just randomly opening fire in this show is incredible. Um, but no one ever died. I think one of the things they were quite quite keen on is the fact that no one ever died. Um. You know, the cars would spin over and flip and you'd have people jumping off buildings and you'd always have them sort of like at least groaning as they sort of rolled away. Um, one of the things I'm always curious about with the A-Team as well is they kept this up for many, many years, right? So they're doing this. They're off on the road, tootling from, um, you know, situation to situation. And there's a the whole thing. If you can find them and no one else can help, maybe you can hire the A-Team. And they would be hired... To do things were basically guns for hire for the for the right cause for the good thing for the goodies. After a while, like I know it's the military police that are after them, but I do wonder if like the LA police were like, do you know what? We're gonna give them give them a wide berth because actually they're helping us left, right, and centre. So I'm not gonna be too bothered by it. You know they've taken out like these drug lords or they've taken out these sort of gangsters or this whatever. 
Like, they don't do anything bad. It's only the police, that, like, the military, that want after them because they've made the military look stupid. Because they've got framed for the crime they never commit. Which, again, I'm not entirely sure what the crime is. In um, in the film, the, the 2010 movie, they actually give it They give it a... Uh, that's their origin film. It's about to do uh, the framed for stealing money and then for killing the general. Um, but in this, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whatever. it What's the first one called? Mexican Slayer Rides, the first couple of episodes. I'm assuming it... I have seen those episodes a number of times, but I can't remember them. I'm assuming it gives a justification as to what it is they're supposed to have done um, to be on the run. But after a certain amount of time, you sort of go, they'd probably get a pardon. Uh, or is it the fact that, like in the A-Team, going on the run and breaking out of prison is actually what they're on, on the run for? In which case, you know, it's all just... just at this point, you could probably have like a whole bunch of testimonials about how awesome you've been and how much you've helped people. And they're going to go, go to the press, go to the press. Because they had a journalist. Didn't they even have a journalist who was like a friend that helped them out and worked with them at one point in, one, in some of the early episodes and the early seasons? Go to the press, like get some really good publicity so the public are fully behind you. Uh, you know, that's what you want to be doing now. Would the, would the A team be on Twitter? Would that be the way it would work now? Could it, you know at A team, um, you know nineteen eighty two. I don't know. Would that be the way to go? That's how you get hired through Twitter or some other social media platform. Got a lovely Facebook page. I don't know, um, but I, <clears throat> I suppose it would be interesting to see if there was actually like a, a, an arc of this to how much how does it change through the seasons like what things are highlighted as if you were to watch maybe that's something to do Nick we'll talk about doing that for the Patreon <clears throat> maybe that's what we're going to do I'd like to take like one or two episodes from each uh, season so you can sort of go this is how it looked and this is how it changed over time like it was did the number of guns go away? Did the characters change? Did the dynamics change? You know, how those sort of things worked. I'd be interested to see if that, that's the, you know, or did it just hit a formula in season one and be like, that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do. I mean, you often see with TV shows that um, they might have a formula, but they don't quite perfect it until a later season. Like, I often think about this, but like, uh, Buffy or um, that's Supernatural is a good example. I like the early seasons of Supernatural, but it really hits its stride. Comes sort of like seasons like three and four, and the same with like um, Buffy. Like it really hits a stride after a certain point. Becomes more emotional. Gets you know the heart of the show sort of becomes more established. But those are probably a bit more modern shows. I wonder if it can be applied to something like the Eighteen or or Knight Rider. Um, I don't think so. These, I mean, these were more about these were more about how many episodes can we churn out as quickly as possible um, to get it syndicated because that's where we can get sort of more you know revenues from it. Um, yeah, so it probably was. They're probably like, right. Here's the beats you've got to hit, and each season you've got to have a certain type of episode because you know obviously like, but you know, budgetary episodes, um, budgetary reasons like you know we've got to have a bottle bottle episode or here's almost we're going to have the celebrity in. And again, I'm not actually entirely sure that happens until later on. Season four has weirdly got like, um, and it's going to get mentioned in this episode, but I'll, and I'll call it out. But season four has got, as I said, Hulk Hogan in. It has an episode with Boy George in. Um, I think there's some others, but like, yeah, there these bizarre, bizarre little cameos and appearances that were made. Um, in the later seasons, I wonder if that was a sort of like, I'm a big fan and I want to do it. I mean, obviously, we know, and I'll talk about it now, we know why the Body Slam episode happened was because there was a lead up to WrestleMania. And so they were trying to big up this connection between um, Hulk Hogan and his Hulkamaniacs and, and Mr. T. So, I mean, look, even this vet, right? And this again is an American thing. This vet in her blue van has got like some sort of pistol, a cult just set. Uh, a cult just sat in her van and she's ready to pull it on anybody like all in 1980s are all americans carrying guns i, I don't think so I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure not but um I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't but like it always like this is my conception of america that they're all tooled up ready to go and um uh guns held everywhere so 
eh, it's an odd sort of thing, and you know. Mm. Anyway, when um, this is interesting, sort of like I say, Murdoch's actually giving her um, military advice. Not military, so he's giving about he's called about a cap. So he's identified it's a cap gun. Uh, again, something I owned as a kid. Oh, so it's not even a real gun. I apologise. So she, she's carrying around a cap gun, and, and, Mur and Murdoch has identified it as such. Which is, again, interesting. Like, you don't forget that like, these guys are, are military. They served in Vietnam. Like He was a, a Huey pilot. You know, he flew helicopters and, and fought in Vietnam. He, he has, you know, extensive military weapons training. So they, they, they do keep that up. Which is again quite cool, um, so yeah. This thing about the fact that the dog likes Murdoch. All dogs love Murdoch. Everybody loves Murdoch. He's awesome. But I also love that as a bit of a trait, sort of like dogs being the uh, barometer by how we should actually judge people. Um, and again, something that happens that happens repeatedly. Like we see it in so many shows where they're like, "Oh yes, of course. You know, if the dog likes you, then you're a good person." If the dog barks at you, well, you're a Terminator, and uh, we need to get away from you. So, it it's that thing that you know you can always kill people, but you can't kill the dog. Um, I forget what year this is, season three. So I'm, I've got a feeling this is eighty four. Um, and fashions are fascinating again. Like, find really interested in watching this because Murdoch's the A team's fashion. The only ones, the A team's fashion doesn't change a great deal like Murdoch dresses as Murdoch he has that leather jacket with the tiger the, the baseball cap uh, Hannibal wears the same stuff pretty much in and out every week um, there you go he calls that boy George there and Frankie goes to Hollywood so he's obviously a bit more sort of thing but calls that boy George boy George all so boy George appears I think as boy George in the next season so quite meta um, to appear as oneself in there You know, Murdoch has such a good uh, musical knowledge. I mean, you know, um, yeah. What's the saying? Uh, I've completely forgotten. I've gone to a different point. Um, this is again. This is about to get really, really positive. Murdoch's trying to flirt. Uh, oh, fashion. We'll go back to fashion in a minute. But Murdoch's trying to flirt with her, and is actually incredibly positive. And th there's a moment here. She, she he says, he says to her, like, "Oh yeah, you're 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 a pretty girl. Why you must have a boyfriend." And she says, um, "Well, I've got a boyfriend, yeah. So I've never been, I've never been caught, I've never considered myself pretty. And this bit's amazing." And he holds up a mirror to, her, and she, she's very attractive. He holds up a mirror to, her and she's like, "Pretty girl," and she calls him crazy. <laughs> and he is, he's very intense, but that's quite weirdly affirming of her for you know this show. Like Murnock and and the, all the guys are very positive, and I think this is another thing that sort of holds true for them. Is the fact that they are supposed to be very positive, like they're not negative. Like we said, like BA works all these kids and all this disadvantage and all this other stuff. Like, and there's Murdoch saying, like, no, no, you you are beautiful and you need to recognise that and you're wonderful and you know all this other stuff. Fascinating. Uh, the fashion. Go back to the fashion. The only one that really sort of changes and adjusts with fashion is BA. I mean, we've called that in this episode. He's wearing like a quite a subdued outfit, but. His stuff became very iconic, but he became both fashionable and um, a fashion leader. Like I know that you know there was there was a look, a very specific uh, B. A. Baracus, Mister T kind of look that could easily be defined now. Um, but I'm sure there were people that were following that. You know that sort of the, the earring with the feathers, the not so much remember the gold, but I'm I'm definitely sure there was a following for that kind of look. Um, I mentioned before, so the police are involved in this, but the military had to get them involved to call them in, not the fact they were reporting to a bunch of gunshots. So, I also love American cars. Know nothing about them in, in any particular way, but I am a big fan of American cars, especially these old cars. Um, there's sort of a solidity to American cars. I always think that when you see films, you know, uh, those. Uh, there's like a squareness. There's sort of seventies and early eighties cars, very square, very sort of boxy, um, but they're very American. 
And then you watch like a European film, and you're like, oh yeah, there's a Citroen, <laughs> there's a Peugeot, um, or like a you know like a, a European Ford or whatever, and it just looks so so different, especially around this era. Like some of British cars were vulgar as horrible um, during this period. So yeah, just American cars, yeah, huge but very distinctive. Um, I recognise this guy. Don't know who he is, but I recognise him. Um, sure he's appeared in many, many, many things. Probably it's an extra. I don't, know, I don't know. Anyone who's watched this episode with me, tell me if you know who he is. This is... Here they go. Running a con. Um, um, here you go. Just another con. I wonder, I wonder sort of... Um, it's not even in the film, so it was an origin story, but I wonder how Face um, became the con man that he is like you know did he start a certain way was it as a oh, that'd be great sort of like you know the a-team prequel sort of like how they all met or where they all came from give me that sort of story about how they all uh how they all um became the people they are you know because ba has got a very particular sort of set of skills as well like he's a mechanic uh fear of flying we thought that is picked up in the in the um in the film, but like murder, like sorry, but with like, um, I really want a darker version of this. Like, how did they all come together? Like, you know, what's their story? Um, let's have a story of how Face was a kid that lived on the streets, and had to con his way into sort of things, you know, um, and was never able. Who is dirty? That's why I, yeah, I got this for you now. Face was a little kid lived on the street. He was an orphan, and uh, always dirty, always wearing you know really rags, raised in poverty. Uh, and had to sort of con his way to be fed and to survive in that. Uh, and then eventually, as he got better at it, he was able to sort of wear things and was always you know, determined never to be um, in poor clothing again, uh, but was conned into joining the military um, by someone sort of like, you know, if you, you know, join the military, being sent to military school, or like go, you have to join the military or do time. So he was already at one for that and ended up joining the military out the back uh, of that and was aiming to be pulled into military intelligence. I think that would be an interesting story. Um, and the same with BA. Like BA would be a really interesting story about how this sort of like tough, um, huge, <laughs> muscular African-American kid joined the military. Like, you know, did he, you know, I think they, they say like he, at one point he talks about the fact he comes from a poor rural background. All right, great. Let's want to know more of that. Like, you know, um, what was his story? You know, where's that? What, what is that story that it was BA's journey to join the military? Um, I also want to see the story, the thing that drove Murdoch mad. Like, you know, having to um, chop her into some of the most dangerous parts of uh, Vietnam, you know, during the war, like, you know, dodging fucking napalm and stuff. Before we go on, this is just as a scene here. So as I'm sat watching, this is in TV, they're just blow, they're blowing up a car. It's well done. Like this is it's as you can imagine. Um, this is um, one explosion edited to look like fifteen, but that's fine. I'm happy with that. But to be fair, that's pretty good going on a weekly basis. We're now getting the car chase. I'll get back to the origin stories in a second. But we're now getting into a car chase, and we're going to get the A team. He refers to it as the A team van. On the, <laughs> fantastic. We're now going to get the A team van chase. The obligatory chase. Um, with the gunshots. I mean, to be fair, this is the point where you go, all right, I can sort of see maybe why the police and military after them. The gunfire on this. <laughs> they opened fire first. They blew up a military van uh, or a military car. So, fair enough. Whoever's really driving this van, because um, it's clearly not Mr. T, uh, they must have had some proper cool stunt drivers. Um, do a fantastic job, because they do some like rally driving with this GMC bloody van. I used to want one of these as a kid. I now sort of realise that there was, there's no real benefit to it. Um, here we go. This is the thing we've always been waiting for. Every week, there's going to be some big stunt. You've had a car explosion. Now we're going to get the jump. And I again, they don't get. They couldn't do many of these. All right here you go. So the the van's going to jump over a massive uh, thing and land on the other side. Now there's a reason they couldn't do many of those because it. Fox up the van somewhat rotten. There's no way they could do those on a regular basis because they'd have to redo the van. Now, I don't know how many vans they'd have had on set. 
I'm reckoning, I reckon four at least. Um, and they'd have gone through them. They'd use them for different things um, throughout the season. But jumping something like that, damage, that would like damage your suspension and, your, you know, your, all the other bits and pieces. Um, so, yeah, just, it's just re I'm really glad they do it. And it's really cool. I always think the same, it's the same thing with... Um, well, Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider. Anything that was involved heavily with a car would uh, would have involved them having to do these kinds of stunts and repeatedly repair cars. Something I'm, never, I'm not sure about. I'd have to check into that, but I can imagine, um, especially Knight Rider, because with, with the with the Dukes of Hazard, the car itself was was tooled up for that kind of stuff. You know, it had the frame inside the the girder frame and the suspension, the big suspension. But with Knight Rider, it wasn't designed for that. It's a sports car. And so it never really looked like that. So I do wonder how they did that kind of stuff. Here we go. So then, anyway, to so the story. So we've now got Murdoch um, face on the radio, reaching out through code, trying to find that Howling Mad Murdoch is there. So he's going to ring in and can be found. I'm hoping we're down to, just so you know, we're down to 13 minutes, 13 and a half minutes. And one of the things we haven't had yet is a montage. But we've had, and this is why I don't think we're going to get a montage in this episode, it's because of an exploding car and the 18 van jumping. So I actually think we're not, I don't think we're going to get one. Because it's usually when they're trapped and they've got to tool something together and you get the music. It usually happens by about now. So um, let's just see. <laughs> I'm, I always, I'm curious about Mr. Uh, BA's and, and Murdoch's relationship. So BA is down to the phone, Murdoch's called into the radio station. And he's like, shut up, fool. You're okay. It's like, he clearly cares about him. He actually just does care. But he's he's just grumpy, you know. Doesn't like, doesn't like he doesn't suffer fools, but, does, you know, clearly cares. Because he's been saved that many times. Um, by, uh, um, sorry, BA's been saved by murder. I can't keep watching this. It's so good. Uh, B.A. has been saved by Murdoch a number of times, clearly even during the war, which is why he sort of like, he respects him, but he does obviously realise he's, he's, you know, uh, nothing foots. So, let's see what happens. with so they're, they're expecting... Oh, another chase coming up. So they're expecting another... They're all going to converge on the radio station. So let's see. What is there in the radio station that they can use to, to do a getaway? Um... Aerial radio wave sound. They're going to do like a sound gun, some big thing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything. In this show absolutely ridiculous. One of the things it is, although this is actually, I'd say, quality um, action television. It still sort of has that campiness. That um, she is very pretty. Her eyes are very stunning. Um, she, um, sorry, it's, it's got a campiness that sort of does go back to. Uh, Batman 66 in that sort of way of um, being able to get away with um, uh, silliness you know you could talk, it, it sort of, there's a lot of episodes in this that probably manages that balance of silliness and um, uh, action violence seriousness quite well because the, the other version i think of this is like the incredible hulk you know the incredible hulk um the david banner show you know sort of uh was was it also had that thing had that sadness you know the, uh, the tune at the end but that was ridiculous as well that went to some really bizarre places we introduced like thor and and, and their daredevil he thought yet you know, the, a bear in that thing it had that sort of campiness to it that I actually really enjoyed, but you know, it was still more serious than this. Here we go. Now we're into it. Finale. Last ten minutes. The finale. So the hillbillies are back, and they've now got the damsel in distress. Time to uh, time to tool up and take on these hillbilly bounty hunters. Take them down, A team style. See, Murdoch doesn't get angry. So this is interesting. Never, I've never seen Murdoch angry before. So to see him, to see him like this is curious. 
So it's describing the fact that obviously, you know, this is the ransom section. And I love the fact that, sorry again, I'm still watching it. Hannibal Smith is is incredibly cool, collected. Um, come on, let's get through this, guys. Come on, let's get to the action. It's very interesting, like I said, this was obviously about this time. This is this idea of taking people hostage. Is it, is it frigid? Mm, not quite. She's damsel in distress. I mean, she should be as well. Like, you know, these guys are military guys versus uh, she's a vet. So should she should not every woman's going to have agency. Not every man's going to have agency. Like This could be a guy as well. But he doesn't feel so bad to be doing this at this point. How are they known? This is the thing. Like, they knew them as the A-Team. Who gave them that name, the A-Team? <laughs> Was that in the press? Was that their, um, like when they had the military, not the military, the reporter, did she name them the A-Team? Was that the sort of thing that was given to them in the press? Interesting. Right, so we've got, we've got nine minutes to go save the girl. Come on, Murdoch, you got to save the girl, my man. you got to save the girl. So, let's see how this goes. What else are they going to do? Come on. Because you know what? Do you know what I love, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know what I love? I love it when the plan. Oh, I love it when the plan comes together. Here we go. They're just pulling into a random wrecking yard <laughs> filled with nineteen thirties and twenties cars. So they've just pulled into a, a random wrecking yard. No one's coming out to talk to them. They're just grabbing bits of steel and pieces. But we're getting it. We're getting the montage. Put the pieces together. Get the toolbox out. Here we go. Um. Grab your stuff. Well, I don't even know what they're doing. I have no idea. But BA's under the truck, sorting stuff out. What is it that... I'm not even sure what they're doing. Interesting. Oh, my God. They are taking a, a, a circular saw to the van. He's taking the engine out of the van. It looks good. I mean, it's very clean. No ways any... He's take, seriously, they're cutting out the front of the van... BA would be furious about this. What is going on? I'm I'm fascinated by why BA isn't punching somebody out. Is is this just because it's uh, you know uh, they're saving uh, a woman that Murdoch is interested in, or has, don't know what are they doing? They're going to put it back into the put it back into the truck, put it back into the van, but they've just literally just cut off. <laughs> the whole radiator uh, cover for the for the front of the van. Um, all of this taken, by the way, without any permission um, uh, from someone's wrecking yard. Bizarre, like you know, could be just um... <laughs> it just feels bizarre when you think about it. Like at least when they're locked up in things, they could be like, yeah. You know, we've been locked up in this thing, and this is what we've got to use. In this case, they've literally just turned up at a random wrecking yard, um, <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, ready to go. But this can't be. I'm wondering, like, all right, sure. So we're now getting a description. Uh, we're now getting a, a demo. Right, so it moves. Okay, it does things. Still not sure. What it is that they're doing. Um, it was a bit like a sort of that segment you get on Top Gear or on uh, uh, when they used to go and, or what's it called, Grand Tour, and they'll go and tool up the cars. That's what we get. But uh, I've still no clue what it is that van, the van is now set up to do. Um, oh my god! Jeez, wow, one of the bounty hunters has now suggested he's going to rape the hostage. Not in so many words, but uh, in, uh, yeah, that's exactly what he was suggesting. <laughs> 80s TV. You can buy all the fun you want. Now he's suggesting that he goes with a bunch of prostitutes. I'm, I'm telling you, this show, like, 80s TV was a different world. Like, you could really make sort of suggestions and comments in it that you could not make now. Like, you know, I'm not entirely sure we'd ever... A kid's show, again, aimed at kids, don't forget, right? I'm not entirely sure you could have a kid sh a show aimed at sort of like I don't know nine to twelve year olds start talking about the fact that you're going to rape someone and then they go well you can't have that but when you got your money you can start your uh, you can enjoy the good times as it were 
Um, very bizarre. Right, they're here. They're brought in. They're coming in peace, apparently. What's going to happen? What's the car going to do? Come on, they're giving up the girl. Um, right, so what's going to happen? <laughs> so one of the bandits just called out that, like, you know, you, you don't look too tough to me. And I love B.A.'s face. Mr. T, like, sneers. He's like, you know, screw you, mister. Oh, my God. Okay. Bond style. So what they've actually had it on is two machine guns. And that was obviously put onto the uh, um, the box frame, steel box uh, frame that they put onto it. And it was uh, basically, like, raked to the side of everything. Now they're into the the fighting scene which I do like because this way you actually get some pretty cool stunts in this go on BA no look this and this is again see that uh, you've just seen that BA is supposed to be fighting but you couldn't see it was BA I don't think that was BA I think that was a stunt man and this is why I'm thinking they got the uh, gold all covered up because it's clear that it wasn't BA uh, maybe he wasn't available for this episode a whole hell of a lot or is it that he doesn't want to be doing it at this point? Don't know. Interesting. Um, but yeah, all the others get like a full-on proper fight scene there. You got to see them clear as day. B.A. hidden up in the trees. Um, um, see that B.A. is coming down now, but that's not, that was not him fighting. I'm... Mm, Season three this. I'm wondering. Let me know. Come back to me on this. Anybody else that knows out there. What was Mr. T's status on the show by season three? Was he being a diva? Was there something wrong there? What was going on? Because um, he definitely wasn't involved in that final fight. Like He shit it and ran off into the trees. And some other dude dressed like him uh, went and did all the work. So, you know, B.A. Um, yeah, well, Mr. T. I'm, I'm not calling him out, but I'm just saying... Bit interesting. And Murdoch back at the here you go. Murdoch back at the hospital returns. Um Um you know, he goes back to the hospital again, like you know, there's not although it does show um it does show the, the the crew sort of support him and love him that they want to give him the right help. They're not going to enforce that he's on the run. They're going to make sure he goes to the uh, he can go on the you know to the hospital and have the right sort of care. So she's now come to visit him in hospital and call that she's going to be like, oh, no, no, what we, this might, you know, you know, we could, I don't know, make a go of it, do something. I don't know if it follows up anywhere, but um, that's quite cool that she's sort of like, yeah, you're clearly in a, in a sort of psychiatric unit and I'm not, I'm not going to be scared away. Um. It's good. It's, it's, this is weird. I didn't realise how sort of like how sort of um, affirming that the A team really was. Like they pick a character in each episode and do things. Uh, what an interesting sort of thing. I have to go back and watch more of it. Um. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to sort of hold that there while I finish out. So we've just done it. Yeah, we did an episode of the A team. Um, Bounty, uh, series three, episode twenty two. I've talked quite a lot about the A-Team. I've talked all the way through that. There's more to talk about. I do definitely want to go and do Body Slam. We will definitely do that episode and do some Hulkamania. But there's some interesting things appearing out. This is Series 3, three years in. They've clearly hit a bit of a, uh, a groove and they're doing their own thing. But there's so much in that, that was, that's interesting. As I say, it's very, very much of its time. Um, it gave me, as a kid, some very definitive uh, ideas of what America was. How gun control worked in the States. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's really interesting. So for the Patreons, thank you very much. Um, you know, I appreciate you choosing this. And Nick, I'm sorry it wasn't Body Slam, but we will be definitely doing that, and I'll be doing that as a Patreon special. Um, but more than that, for everybody else that's listening, thank you so much for listening in. 
Um, it's been quite good fun. I haven't watched the A-Team in a long, long time, so it was good to go back and to, to view this and to see it. So, um, hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed another commentary. Go and find this. This is I bought this episode on Amazon Prime for £1.89. And so, that being the notes. Uh, so, you know, go back and listen to this and watch it alongside. Oh, Christ, watch it alongside and see what you think. Um, other than that, if you like what we do, leave a review. Go on your podcast catcher and leave a review of 20th Century Geek. One star to four stars, I don't care. Mainly five stars is what I want to hear, but let, get, get that feedback. Go on there now. Go on, go on, press it. Press that button, review. And that's it, you know you want to. Leave us a review. It really helps. Really appreciate it. It doesn't, doesn't get many, and I would really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Uh, everything else, if you do really, really like what we're doing, go on to um, uh, Patreon. I was going to say, there's a link down below. Patreon.com slash 20CGmedia. Go on there and check out. We have got three tiers, and for those tiers, you get things like uh, a monthly podcast uh, called 30 Minute Thoughts, a quarterly podcast where I sit down with different creators, from Kieran Gillen to uh, Tim Glister recently about his spy book, um, and also a weekly podcast that I do with uh, my fellow podcast host from the other podcast stories at time of space talking about the twilight zone we started episode one and we are working our way through we call it trekking through the twilight zone it is absolutely fantastic i'm so proud of what we're doing that and if you want to understand more about that show <coughs> go back on this feed not more than i think three episodes ago i did a little bonus and i threw out the first ever episode of trekking through the twilight zone just to give you a little bit of a hint of what you can get from that uh, but more than that, we do polls. I do behind-the-scenes stuff of all the things that I'm doing. All of it's on there on the Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash 20cgmedia. And it really helps us cover off all our sort of our costs for hosting and all the other bits and pieces that we do. £1.89 for uh, uh, episodes of the A-Team. And so, yes, really, really appreciate that. Um, and there's so much more to do. If you want to come find us, you can contact me on... on uh, Email twentycenturygeek at gmail.com. But on Twitter and eight and Facebook and Instagram, uh, I'm always on there as uh, at 20th Century Geek. So come and find us and have a chat and uh, spread the word. Let your friends know about the podcast. We really appreciate all word of mouth promotion. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be back in the next episode with a bit uh, more storytelling. That's right, we're going to be back with uh, stories to tell and, and 20th Century Geek story time. And I'm going to be talking about a very different kind of story. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we'll talk again soon. <laughs>